0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. Here and not yet. Year and not yet. This is how Christians throughout the time of since Jesus, as we figured out what this whole reign of God, this whole kingdom of God thing is, this is how we've described the reign of God. It is here and not yet. We hear this story today in, in, in Matthew and and we see that Jesus Proclaims that the kingdom of God is at hand; that you can reach out and you can you can touch it. That's what "at hand" means. It's so close you can touch it. the The reign of God and and reign is reign and kingdom are the same thing. I, I go back and forth between the two, so I just want to I'm saying the same thing both ways, there, folks. The so the reign of God is at hand. And then Jesus goes and does the reign of God. He asks people to follow him and they drop everything and follow him to live into the reign of God, which is the part of their work there is to be fishers of men or fishers of people. And then he goes throughout Galilee, this, as we heard in Isaiah The way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness who've seen a great light. He goes to those people and proclaims the good news and heals them. The reign of God is here, but not yet. Because there's still, we notice this today, there's still some brokenness in the world, right? Right? Have you noticed that at all? That There's still some fighting going on in the world that not everybody can agree on everything. And we sometimes wonder if we could just get people to see it our way, if that would just make the world a better place. Right? We just say, join with us or die. That can make the world a better place, right? Join with us or go away. It makes the world a better place. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? Because the reign of God, what Jesus does, is for the whole of creation. Jesus goes into those parts of the world that the Hebrew Bible refers to as a land shrouded in darkness, as a land that is outside of God's redemptive activity in the world. And just like us, when we're babies and we're baptized, the people there are loved by God, and God gives them God's love before they confess anything right and true and proper about God. Jesus goes to them, ministers to them, proclaims the good news to them, invites them to participate in the kingdom of God before they confess anything right, true, and proper about God. So this activity is happening in the world and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the center of this new story, of this continuation of this old story, but this new story that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Sarah and Rachel and Leah and Rebecca, that God is for the whole world not just for the people who are in that family. That God is for all of us, for everybody. And that's the reality that God, that Paul is speaking to when he writes to the Corinthians, that wonderful passage about um, you have division among you. And we hear about this division, and this division that Paul is referring to is that some people say, I've been baptized by this person, or I'm baptized into this person, or into that person, or whatever. And, and it's creating some pains in, in Corinth, and we're going to be talking more about Corinth as this next month comes into play here in the scripture. We're going to have readings from 1 Corinthians for quite a while. And 1 Corinthians is dealing with a church that is divided, that is full of fear, that is... Um, fear is cropping up saying because people are saying, no, I did it this way. This is the right way to do things. And other people are saying, no, no, no. I did it this way. This is the right way to do things. And Paul is saying there that when we say we've got the right answer, we know exactly how this is going to go. We know exactly what needs to get done, that you have to do this, 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 and this before you can come to worship, before you can believe in God, before you can be saved, but that that created an attitude of fear among people who have been told since the beginning, do not be afraid. The psalm we heard today, which was written a couple hundred years before Paul And Jesus, we're on the face of the earth here. Because whenever we create divisions, we're creating spaces of fear in our life. Whenever we try to figure out how to keep ourselves safe, we create fear. In our life, whenever we want to hold back what God's given us from others, we're creating attitudes of fear in the world because God has given to us so that we can give to others. God gave Jesus to give to others, God gave to the people of Israel so they could give to others. Division does one thing. It creates fear. It allows us to point at somebody else and say, we are not like them. We're not like those people. We make we can make jokes about it, right? Like Swedes and Norwegians are not at all like one another, except that they totally are, except that Swedes don't eat lutefisk because... Um, but... Next Sunday after church, we're going to have confirmation here, and then I'm going to run down to Dell with my family, and I'm going to eat lutefisk and meatballs at the same. Swedish meatballs and Norwegian lutefisk at the same meal. It's a coming together of the cultures. (coughs) But that's when we point out our differences and we push people away because they're different than us, because they haven't said the same things that we've said, that they don't believe in God the same way we believe in God. And, and they, they can't say the same things we can say about God for whatever reason. When we say you're different than us, you're leaving us. That's division and fear. And that's. What God sent Jesus here to live with us, to speak out against. Because what happens with Jesus is that Jesus saves us. The life, death, and resurrection is of Jesus Christ is salvific before we are even on the picture and can goof things up. You're already saved. You don't need to find yourself some Jesus and get yourself saved. What you get to do though is realize that you've been saved and you can change your life and you can begin living a life where you recognize that you have been saved and you can live into your salvation. You can live into this idea that you do not need to be afraid. That you don't have to try to build up a castle to protect yourselves from those coming at you. That you don't need to Make sure that you are a successful person because if only I could earn 10% more this year, everything would be just fine. And then you do earn 10% more. And then the following year, you earn 10% more again. And you're like, this is good. I could just, you know, if I just had 10% more now, I'd be good. God has already saved us because God loves us. It's been that way from the beginning. God doesn't ask for us to believe properly before God heals us and saves us, before God shows us the good news of this world. God does not require us to confess belief in God in a certain way. God has already saved you because God loves you just as you are right now. God has already healed you. Has come before you. Sent God's grace ahead of you. surprise you with God's love. Despite your fears of the future, despite your fears of what could be, no matter how big they are, how small they are, if you can't figure out how to spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, God still loves you. Or Czechoslovakia. Right? Anybody remember that on the spelling test when you're oh my gosh. Praise the Lord for autocorrect on cell phones now, right? <laughs> still gets mistakes through somehow. But anyway, God loves you. before you even love yourself. God loves you and helps you to love others. God loves you and heals you so that you can participate in God's reign that is here. And that you don't need to be afraid because God's reign seems to not be yet. The kingdom of heaven, the reign of God is at hand and you can live it here and now. Amen.